Mr. Consistency, uh, Trey Alexander, Baylor Shireman, honorable mention, Ryan Kalkbrenner, first team, uh, all Big East. The Big East tournament starts on uh, Wednesday. Creighton plays late Thursday night against either Villanova Georgetown. Nebraska gets Minnesota on Wednesday night. We get a week before the brackets are out and fresh off of his uh, weekend with his fellow bracketologist, Tim Kruger. Uh, nicely done this weekend. Caught you on the YouTube channel. Uh, quite the uh, deep and interesting uh, conversation. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Yes, yeah, uh, uh, Jeff Vanderloo of the Creighton staff said to me, texted me, he goes, you know, I'm a nerd. This isn't for everybody. <laughs> I fully understand that. But, yeah, we had pretty good following all weekend long. So uh, I think uh, there was a lot of great discussion. Absolutely. Well, and, and a weekend that led to some great discussion in real time. Um, and, and we're going we're gonna to bounce around here a little bit, uh, take advantage of your knowledge. Give me Iowa State, how you felt about Iowa State, and then what Iowa State did, which I think is one of the more surprising, considering Caleb Grill is booted off the team earlier in the week. Iowa State's really, really scuffling, and they go into Waco and win. How much of that kind of a game impacted a team like Iowa State? Well, with our committee, it impacted it in a very big way. Um, coming in, I think we were... I was probably even more like a 7-8 with them, and I think the group was more aligned with about a 6, or maybe you know 7-6-7, seven, seven, something like that. And uh, as we put teams in the field, we hadn't quite got to their seating area. Um, or we had, excuse me, we had got to their seating area before their game finished. And when it finished, we went back and looked at that resume again. And we were actually kind of blown away with, with the number of high-quality wins. Um, you know, Kansas, you look at their resume and you think you're looking at a team that's 225th in the Nets resume only in a mirror, right? I mean, they've got everything on quad one, like they're just blowing it away. It's, it's the most probably impressive resume I've ever seen. And they have eight top 25 wins. Iowa state has seven. Mm -hmm. I mean, so they're right there. Not only that. Um, I would say overall we had pretty two strong members who really, really valued high road wins. Um, and, and to their credit, the, the committee does that too. So, uh, you know, they've got, they just haven't done it at all. Yeah. And so when you start looking at them, we, we actually started to push them up and up and up and pretty soon got toward the four line. And that's where we kind of stopped. We said, look, they do have a record of 18 to 12 and you're probably not going to see a team on the four line that doesn't have 20 wins. Mm -hmm. I mean, generally speaking, and that's not the end all be all, but you know, uh, they have lost some games too. So, uh, but no, the big move for them and, and they've really solidified their position heading into tournaments. We were just talking about uh, Michigan Rutgers and the big 10 tournament as far as, is it, safe to say that you know whoever wins that game can feel pretty good whoever loses it's probably not happening well again a lot of we we did not our bracket was done before that Rutgers uh, final came yesterday mm -hmm. um had it been earlier I think we may have pushed Rutgers into the play-in game mm -hmm. um we had a member of the committee Brad Wachtall who is a, a new member never met him before till this weekend mm -hmm. uh very accomplished bracketologist. He's kind of 
close to the Rutgers program. And, um, you know, he's, he's a little bit concerned right now. Um, and they're, they could get viewed a little differently because of that injury factor, right? I mean, without yep. the, uh, is it Mott, Mog? Yes. Mog? Yeah, he, without him, they just haven't played very well. And that, that's kind of like, they've gotten a little bit of a, of a case, the committee, I think, to say, well, look without him, look how you've played. Mm-hmm. You know, Kalkbrenner is different. You know, you, you, it was way, way back in the beginning of the season, you know, so you can say, eh, maybe they would have won one or two of these. But since then, you know, here's what they got. With Rutgers, you can say, well, since this injury happened, here's what, here's what we've got. And so that, I think, it would be the biggest concern to me to Rutgers. Um, they if you compare them with Penn State, mm-hmm. they have that Purdue win. That's the only thing they have in their pocket over Penn State. Otherwise, everything else kind of leans toward toward Penn State. Um, Rutgers a little higher. You know, when you get to that 300 non-conference scheduled number, that means you really didn't play anybody in the non-conference. And then you tack on those three quad three losses, which I don't think are the end-all be-all, but certainly not good. Um. Yeah, they lose this one. They'd be eighteen and fourteen. You know, the only other team that we look at that's probably going to be in that area is uh, West Virginia, but they have so many more high quality wins. Yep. Um, Michigan is still out for us. Um, they they've just squandered so many, and not squandered, but they've they've lost so many close games lately that yeah, they could have this totally week. totally flipped their resume around and. Um, they're sitting about like fourth or fifth out. Now, a victory over Rutgers, then they'll move up the chain a little bit. And and the problem there though is is as we start looking at this, we're we're almost certain there's gonna be at least one bid stealer here. So that would knock somebody else out of the field. And then the climb is kind of tough. Um yeah, Michigan's fourth out, I'm sorry. So you know, they they, they could pass Oklahoma State who really can't lose. Uh then they'll just have too many losses. Um, Utah State needs like a big win, and Arizona State, Arizona State, Penn State are basically even. Uh, we, we had a hard time differentiating between the two, and we just went with Penn State. So, yeah, Michigan still still got some work to do. What was the general discussion uh, when when you guys started to look at the Big Ten? Because the Big Ten has Purdue as a one, and then the whole rest of the league is a jumbled mess. Yeah, we kind of called it the mosh pit there. Um, probably the best way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, we we just said, wow, how are we going to differentiate? And we started we started uh, putting these teams in, and, and pretty soon we had, I think at one point on the seven line, we had three Big Ten teams and then two in the eight. I mean, it was just jumbled together. Now, we were already bracketing when the Iowa final came in and there was some talk like, Oh, should we go back? And I'm like, you know, we're all, we're, we're down the road here. We had Iowa number one, seven seed. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to drop them? Number, number four, seven seed, maybe because we had Northwestern in there who would have leapfrogged them and maybe Michigan state. But I don't know that they would have gone much further than that. Um, so yeah, they, there really isn't anybody that's differentiated itself. You know, we, we had Iowa down, down a ways just because they're just inconsistent. Um, that, that's probably the best way, you know, when we, when we talked about these teams, what do you think about Iowa? I said, I don't know any more about Iowa than I did in November right now. They just, they baffle me, mm-hmm. you know, 
game like yesterday with a lot on the line for them. Um, you know, uh, Illinois is the same way. One time I thought Illinois is a five seed, and uh, it's just on and on and on with Big Ten. So there, there's going to be a lot of sevens and eight seeds for the Big Ten. North Carolina, okay, they get into action Wednesday, the ACC tournament. So the loss to Duke, I, I know that that's keeping them on the outside, probably looking in. But it's far realistically, what what do you think they need to do to get on the, the safer side of the bubble here? I mean, is one fine? Do they need a little bit of a run there in Greensboro? What do they need to do? Oh, no, they need a run. They're, they just have nothing on their resume. And if you notice, we put North Carolina State in the playing game, and that mm-hmm. might shock some people, but... If you look at those two resumes, they're pretty darn close. Um, hmm. North Carolina is one in nine in quad ones. They have one win over Virginia, who now has slumped. So that's not even yep. yeah. That's a bottom quad one win. Be careful, Tim. Jeff Jeff Capel is going to be calling you. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, North Carolina State, you know their other good win. I guess you would say they their best. Road win, number one twenty six Syracuse. That's concerning. Um, you know their their numbers are fine. Their strength schedule fine. Their metrics are fine. You know their met their predictive metrics show them like a ten seed. Um, their their result base would be like about eleven twelve. But when you look at that resume, there's just nothing there. And it's not like, you know, like a Mount West team that maybe only gets five six top chances. They've had 10 chances. And frankly, yeah. 10 chances against some teams that are pretty average. And they only won one. Yeah, I know another part of the discussion you guys had, and man, they did not have a good week. When I when I look up and Providence is down 20 in a pretty important game on the final week of the regular season of the Big East, what, what, is, what is the status of Providence right now? So going into our discussion, a lot on our group, we're not very high in Providence, which surprised. I was like, you know, I'm, I was the Big East, you know, representative of the conference, and I was like, guys, I'm telling you, this is a really good team. And of course, that blows up my face when they mm-hmm. absolutely lay an egg. It was so bad, I actually uh, texted Kevin uh, McNamara, the longtime uh, beat writer of Providence, got his own deal now. I said, Kevin, what, you know, what happened here? What, what, you know? He said, I really don't know. He goes, uh, I. Bynum looked like he wasn't right today. But other than that, he goes, I can't tell you. And Hopkins sat on the bench a long time. So obviously Ed was uh, pretty upset with his effort. But I had to kind of go with my mates on this one when I started to look at their resume. And especially, uh, as I said earlier, some of the committee members really valued high-quality road wins. Providence didn't have any. Um, their best road win is against number seventy-five seed home. Ooh. Um, they they've beaten you know if, if you look at the top top level they've beaten Seton Hall seventy-five, Villanova eighty, and Butler one thirty-one on the road. That's basically it. Um, they're three big wins, and to me, they, I still value them a lot. UConn, Marquette, great. But when you dig a little deeper, if you're and and you really can't look at margin, and the committee does either, but. You start looking, they had three overtime games, too. Two of them they won. I mean, so if the ball bounces the right way for Creighton, the right way for Marquette, they would have one quality win, and that would be it. I mean, they, wow. they basically they have four four wins against the top 75 
including that number 75 seat tall one. So we plummeted down the board. I personally am going to move them up a little higher. They're, they were sitting at the top of the 11 line. They weren't in the mm-hmm. playing game. Um, personally, I would think the committee's going to roll with them maybe a 10. Now let's see what happens with UConn. Um, the committee, generally speaking, over the last few years, hasn't taken a lot of conference tournament uh, games in, into consideration. But I think that one's early enough where they'll still be you know, in the seating uh, section of their meeting. And I think if Providence can somehow beat UConn, that would, that would turn the tables. Tim, the the Big Twelve. Look, I, I know the the one seeds are probably log jammed right now, so I'm not trying to advocate that. You know, could we see Texas or Baylor try to inch their way into there? But as far as the most movement amongst the Big Twelve, I mean, is it a situation where we could could we see K State, in your opinion, possibly work their way into a two? Could anybody have any type of significant fall from maybe say, you know, the Texas Baylor moving back to a three? Where where could you see the most movement amongst the Big Twelve? Yeah, great question. I uh, we had we, on our initial voting, we had K State the last number two, mm. uh, and even with Arizona losing, we went back and scrubbed the field and moved Arizona ahead of them. Um, and that's kind of one I had kind of start. I I really feel strongly, and maybe I'm a little biased because I saw Arizona in person. I just went, oh wow, mm-hmm. this <laughs> they sure look good coming off the bus. Uh, so we moved them ahead. It wasn't a big gap, but that, that non-conference trick, the schedule for K-State's a little concerning. Um, you know, they kind of, and, and rightly, I mean, I understand why the coach did it, but it is what it is, right? I mean, they they didn't play anybody. Um, we, we, we flip-flopped. I think we flip-flopped Baylor and Texas uh, three times during our meeting. Um, Texas now the number two seed. Number two, number two seed, and and Baylor number three overall. So on the two line, um, we don't think they have enough, especially with UCLA's win over Arizona. Now, uh, I think there's a little bit of a gap there. UCLA's resume is not great, but you can't overlook what they've done. Exactly. So we were we were kind of just wondering that Purdue Illinois game. Had had Illinois won that game, and it was early enough in the process yesterday that we would have made a move. We would have flipped UCLA and Purdue. Mm. Um, so Purdue's pretty hadn't played very well lately, and mm. so they're pretty precarious right now. There's a huge, huge gap between Purdue and Houston, Alabama, Kansas, um, and that's we spent ton of time on Alabama, Kansas. Houston, especially after the weekend results, Houston beating Memphis. Um, there was a lot of lot of time. I mean, we got it all done, and we started to even place them on the first line. We said, hey, let's go back and look again. Um, a lot of talk for Houston. I, I, I just advocated, like, yeah, I understand they won a big game today, but that's still number 36 on the net. It's not like they beat a number two ranked team. Yeah. And if you look at Kansas, it's just overwhelming. Now, Alabama, Kansas could pass, you know, really, if you looked at it, you could say Kansas has the better resume. But what Alabama has in their pocket, they've got that win over Houston. So that's kind of a caveat for them. And, and we also took into consideration that since the incident, Alabama hasn't played very well. No. Um, 
but they still have a pretty strong resume. So I wouldn't be shocked to see those. I wouldn't be shocked because the committee in the reveal had Houston won. They may just say, look, they haven't done anything to be knocked off that perch. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them put one uh, next week. Uh, what was the discussion like with surrounding Creighton? It looks like they were pretty solid on this Monday morning at six across the board everywhere. Yeah, I'd make a little speech there in their defense. Um, no, I mean, I had them at a six. I think they were pretty solid these six. We had them at the number one six until the Iowa State move. Um, so they, they were looked upon pretty favorably, I thought. Um, I... It's just, you know, you you, you got to catch yourself, but you can't help it sometimes to since the reveal was so recent. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty clear that Creighton was really close to the number four line. And I've had some communications with a couple of NCAA people, and, you know, they were just giving me examples on some seating questions I had. And one of the examples was, well, if Creighton was a four, and I'm like, ooh. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to read too much into that. But, again, the history of the reveal says the committee doesn't change a whole lot. Now, there are some precarious fours in there. Um, Virginia's one. The other one now, with the news that Fremantle's not coming back, is Xavier. Yeah. Because they kind of hung on to that second spot in the Big East, but... Frankly, they haven't played very well, and I think Fremantle's just an incredibly valuable piece of their team. And without him, man, their foul trouble or one injury, they're away. They're they're going to be in some trouble. So that could be another team that you know Creighton wins. You know Creighton beats Villanova and then beats Villanova or Georgetown beats uh, you know Xavier gets to the final wins of the East. I can see Creighton edging five, maybe even. Possibly four. Ooh, oh, you, wow. you went all the way the, up. Wow. The committee, well, I'm just going back to the reveal. At that time, it was pretty solidly that they were in the lower half of the five, and the committee yeah. had right there on the edge of the four or five. So, I don't know. Somebody's in, maybe in the room fighting for them. I don't know. But, um, I, yeah, it would be a tough haul to get them to four, but I, I think they could easily get a five because you're talking – San Diego State, St. Mary's, Miami, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, Virginia, Indiana, UConn, that group. So there's a, there's a possibility. All right, give us uh, an update. I know this will be a, a busy week for you uh, when people can uh, expect to see updated brackets on stadium.com or through your Twitter account at TK Brackets. Yeah, so the bracket today, I'm just going to post the one from the mock selection committee because I think that's yeah. a good compilation of a lot of ideas, and, and I think that's that's probably as close to what a committee would do as possible. Um, then I'll post one. I'll have one up again Wednesday. It'll be my bracket, just kind of updating everything, adding some of those AQs. And then I will update just updates throughout the, the week on my Twitter account at TK Brackets. And then obviously the final one will be posted about, oh, an hour, hour and a half before the selection show on Sunday. Fantastic. It's almost here. I appreciate it. Great stuff this weekend. All right, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. That's uh, Tim Kruger. Uh, when we talk to him, uh, we'll see how close he was to uh, predicting the bracket. We're now less than a week away. Yeah, Tim was right and Tim was wrong. Uh, I think if you get to the final and you beat UConn, that gets you to five. I don't see a four, but uh, a six. Six not, might not be bad if you look yeah. across the board and you look at who the threes could be. A lot of six Creighton matched up with three Gonzaga. 
Do you want to fall back to seven and go to Des Moines, though? No, I don't think you want to fall because that would mean you got beat by Villanova again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think they're too strong of a six. I think six is where they yeah. will uh, stay. All right. Uh, coming up uh, a little bit later, Jacob Bigelow, Joel Lorenzi will go back-to-back Nebraska and Creighton. Their season's still going on. Nebraska plays on Wednesday night against Minnesota. Uh, the Gophers lost uh, yesterday to uh, Wisconsin. Uh, and Creighton waits Villanova and Georgetown at MSG. Boy, Providence and UConn is going to be a battle when those two teams play. I mean, Providence got to get that bad taste out of the mouth. Mm-hmm. UConn's tough, man. UConn, I that Creighton not having to deal with UConn, Providence, or Marquette yeah. is actually a benefit. Now, Xavier hasn't had Fremantle since the end of January. Right. And they're a little bit better defensively. Um, But, man, Villanova looming would be one of those teams that's, well, they just yeah. beat you in Philadelphia, and Villanova knows they got to run the table to win the tournament. Yep. All right, 8.05. It's uh, Mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone.